Welcome to the Stop Dieting Podcast, hosted by best-selling, award-winning author and renowned weight loss expert, David Medansky. If you struggle to lose weight or you've lost weight and gained it back, you'll want to listen each week. Each week, you will learn tips for healthy weight loss without going on a diet, without having to follow an exercise program, without counting calories, or having to purchase special meals or products. The Stop Dieting Podcast is more than just about healthy and sustainable weight loss. You will also learn how you can have more energy, feel better, get rid of brain fog, and improve your overall health. Stay tuned for another informative and insightful episode. And if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe and share this with your friends. Hi, this is David Medansky, host of Stop Dieting Podcast. Today we have a very special guest, Lauren Nelson. Lauren is a naturopathic doctor, and she's actually very close to where I live in, in the Phoenix area. She's in Scottsdale, so we're almost neighbors. Welcome, Lauren. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Tell the audience a little bit about your background and how you help people. Yeah. So really, like many of the people in my field, I came to this profession from personal reasons. I could not. Yeah, I spent most of my teenage and teenage years and 20s in bed. I couldn't get better. I went to every doctor, naturopath, acupuncturist, you name it, and I couldn't find answers. And so I I started, you know, learning and diving into research and trying to figure out what was wrong with me. So I ended up going back to school. In the meantime, my mom was actually diagnosed with stage four breast cancer. And I said, okay, enough is enough. We've got to figure this out. And I know, oh, by the way, I'm going to get credentialed so I can help others too. And so after years of suffering, I was able to dive into blood work and go, wow, this actually has been screaming at me all along. And, and just, you know, we're not trained or educated to learn the functional blood work panels and look at it a little bit differently, even though, you know, 50 years ago, what I was experiencing actually would have been flagged. So, so it was the medical profession missed the blood work panel, the diagnosis in there. So it's interesting. The reference ranges now on blood work have grown greatly. So take the white blood cell count, for example. Back 50 years ago, the reference range was from 5 to 8. Back in 2005, the reference range went from 5 to 10. Now the reference range on the white blood cell count is 3 to 11. So if you go and you're, you know, if you had went to the doctor 50 years ago and your, your marker came up at 3.1, they would have been like, wow, how are you even getting out of bed? But now due to statistics, our reference ranges have gotten so big because of the chronic illness epidemic that has happened over our years. And so the reference ranges are now so wide that you might be feeling, you might be dealing with a chronic illness and it's not getting flagged by a regular doctor because when they're looking at the paper, they're going, oh yeah, you're healthy. You're normal. <laughs> you're like, I feel far from normal. Wow. You know, I had the opposite experience when I was in my 20s and 30s. I was fit and trim and healthy. And then, like most people, life gets in the way. And before I realized it, the weight crept up on me. And that in July of 2016, at age 61, the doctor told me, hey, based on your lab results and being overweight, actually, I was fat, you got a 95% chance for a fatal heart attack. 
So you got two options. You can lose weight or find a new doctor because you're not dying on my watch. And he strongly encouraged me to find a new doctor because he'd been after me for eight years to lose weight. And like most people, I procrastinated after the holidays, on Monday, after the, you know, this event or that event. So I never got around to it until it was like the light bulb went off and said, oh, better get, you know, doing something. So lucky to have a doctor that you had. So many times they'll, you know, they'll just go, oh, yeah, you're you're good. They get eight minutes of snow fault to the doctor. They've got to see X amount of patients and, you know, they've got less than 10 minutes to look at you, diagnose you and move on. And it just, it's not enough time. There's so much that goes into us as human beings. Exactly. And now I'm having the opposite problem because he has a PA and there's two of them. One is like, hey, you're in great shape, do, doing great. I hiked Kilimanjaro this June at age 67. And she's like, go have a great time. The other PA comes in and says, no, you're not going anywhere based on your age and this, you shouldn't be doing it. And I said, what? And so <laughs> she goes, by the way, are you on this drug, this drug, and that drug? And I said, no, why? And she says, well, you're over 60, so you need to be on. I said, I don't understand. She goes, well, it's recommended if you're over age 60, you need to be on these drugs. And I said, no, I don't need them. So the medical profession, I'm a little leery of because you get some doctors that will take time with you. And you have some doctors, like you said, they have such a short amount of time. It's just take this pill and you'll be good to go. And, and they don't look at the, the person as an individual. Exactly. And, you know, there's, there's so much that goes into us and they have, you know, one hour of nutritional training. And so it's like, I, I can't blame them, but, but yeah, it really is luck of the draw of who you find. And unfortunately, in my experience, I didn't find them. So. So what did they finally figure out was your issue? So I actually started diving into the research and I am like, okay, let's pull out the blood work that I've had a million times and let's just go over the CBC with differentials. It's what everybody gets. You know, when you go to the doctor and they go, oh, let's send you in for some blood work. And you're, Can okay. you explain to the audience what CBC is in case they don't understand it? Yes. So it's it's basically taking your white blood cell count, your red blood cell count, everything that goes into basically your cell and looking at to make sure that everything's healthy. So for example, when I was talking about the white blood cell count, the white blood cell count back in the day, if you were in range between five to eight, you'd be looking pretty good. And so anything outside of that range would show inflammation and infection. So for example, for me, my, my range was always around 3.5 and I was told I was healthy, but in, in fact, 3.5 is showing that you have an infection going on, an underlying infection. It's not always 100%. You can kind of get, and we can go through a couple of the other markers that are in the CBC with differentials, but a white blood cell count is one of those easy ones that you can look at quickly and go, okay, am I out of the range of five to eight? Then I'm starting to think that there might be an infection going on. If you go down a little bit into the CBC, there's also a number called the neutrophil percentage. And the neutrophil percentage is an ideal reference range from 40 to 60%. So if you fall within that marker, you're looking pretty good. But if you're over 60%, say you're at a 63%, your doctor would say, eh, you're healthy. But really that's actually a bacterial and fungal infection marker. So you might not be feeling pretty good if you're at 63%, but you're getting told you're healthy. So you got to look at maybe I'm living in an environment where there's mold. Maybe I'm not eating correctly. 
maybe I picked something up on my last travel excursion that could have been causing this bacterial infection that's going on that's not being flagged by my regular doctor to make sure that I'm healthy. Wow, I'm finding this fascinating because I meet people all the time and I look at them and they don't look healthy and they're not feeling really good. They're low energy, you know, the brain fog in the mid-afternoon and yet they're telling me, well, I went to the doctor and everything came back and I'm in great shape and I'm thinking, okay, maybe you need a new doctor or maybe I just don't know what I'm talking about. Right, exactly. And with, with weight loss, I know your audience is really focused on weight loss. You could be doing everything right. You could be eating healthy. You could be, you know, walking, getting your exercise in. But if you have an underlying infection, your body's going to protect itself and create this inflammation that will hold on to those extra pounds that won't make it as easy to lose that five, 10 extra pounds of inflammation that um, they're working so hard and, you know, beating themselves up over that they can't get off. But really, it's this underlying infection that's just protecting them. That that's a, a good point because a lot of times I'll be working with a client and I'll ask them, when was the last time you had your thyroid check? Most of the time they, they get the thyroid. Then the next question is, have you had your hormones checked? And a lot of times it's no. And they I highly suggest they do that because a lot of times they'll find that is an underlying issue also. So what are some of the things that causes someone to have the inflammation in their body? So I always kind of go back to the there's three to five possible reasons. So there could be a bacterial infection, something like SIBO, candida, bacterial and fungal. I, I like to put those together. Then it could also be a viral infection. You know, we, we know what's going around, but, you know, a lot of times when you're in high school or college, you could get mono, um, Steam-Barr virus, and your body can't ever kind of kick it after you get it. We're seeing that too with long haulers. And then you could have parasites. That could also be a, a root cause issue and food allergies. So I kind of always, when I'm looking through the CBC differentials, that'll often tell us what the root cause is. And so that would affect anything to do from your thyroid to your cholesterol panel. But that's what I, what I love about that CBC with differentials is because it's the easiest, cheapest test everybody gets. And it's worth its weight in gold because it can really, once you kind of go start breaking it down, it will tell you what you're dealing with. Sort of like the uh, puff test for an eye to make sure you don't have glaucoma. Just very inexpensive, very simple. Exactly. And it's and it's so missed because you're like, all right, everything looks good. And I just keep going around and around. And years later, you know, I I dealt with my issues for over 10 years. And if only I could have gone back in time and Known what I know now, I would have saved myself and my family a lot of heartache because because they too were also dealing with some issues. Oh wow! So, as a naturopathic doctor, could you explain to the audience what exactly that means? So, I'm actually a traditional naturopath. So, I can run blood work, I can work with you, but I can't technically diagnose or treat. So, kind of think of me more as your holistic coach in a way. But I can work with you through blood work. I think another huge component is the emotional side of healing. And so I'm a mind-body spirit release practitioner as well, which basically goes in, you know, we're we're mind, body, and spirit. And so if you only concentrate on one aspect, if you only look at the blood work, you could be also missing a huge emotional component as well. So 
for example, if somebody got Epstein-Barr virus at the same time they were going through a really traumatic experience in their life, like a divorce or a job loss or you name it, whatever they're experiencing, they'd be more likely to probably have issues than if somebody that was have that was mentally and emotionally not going through an experience. So with mind, body, spirit release, I also can go in and muscle test anybody that's having subconscious emotions that could be blocked. You know, we go on and experience our life and we can go see counselors and talk about our issues, but sometimes you just want to clear them and let them go away. And so that's why I dove into the mind, body, spirit release as well. So I can go, okay, there's multiple components to our our beings. And if we can focus on making sure we're clearing these emotions as well, while we're also tackling those viral or fungal bacterial components, that'll put us on the course to make sure that we're healthy, happy humans. <laughs> That's the key. A lot of times we don't even know what our underlying emotional or psychological issues are because they're buried so deep or we've been dealing with them so long. It's just kind of a natural routine that's there. Exactly. You know, you were speaking to the thyroid earlier and it's amazing. Each of our organs can hold on to specific emotions. So for example, if you're having a thyroid issue, often, you know, I'll dive into my clients and I go, okay, talk to me about what's going on in your life. And really it comes back to not speaking their truth or, you know, kind of holding in their emotions. And so it gets stuck into your throat and you can't express those emotions. You know, if you continue to have a liver issue, there's often an anger component to the liver as well. And it's it's amazing when when you kind of identify in the blood work, okay, this this area is elevated. We're gonna go after it with supplements, but also let's go after it with the emotional side too. And that's where you know you're hitting it from every angle and you can really get on the path to well-being. Dealing with the blood work, do you also look at the sugar and glucose levels for your patients? Oh, yeah. That is a huge component to making sure that we're healthy. And a lot of times I've found that I've had so many clients that come to me and they're so frustrated because they're like, I'm exercising, I'm eating healthy, I'm not eating sugar, I'm eating low carbohydrate, yet I'm still having blood sugar issues. And a lot of times the root cause to that could be, again, those bacterial, viral, fungal issues, inflammation, thyroid. And so we'll kind of look at that and figure out, okay, yes, this is important and we need to be able to fix it. But a lot of times, you know, first step is diet, exercise. Then a lot of times you have to go a little bit deeper and figure out, okay, why am I having these blood sugar issues when I've corrected everything else and then it's still coming up. Also, what I've noticed too, and a question I start asking people when they have those issues, what medications are you taking? Because a lot of high blood pressure medications will cause a spike in sugar for people. So as you mentioned, they're doing everything right, and yet they're coming back with a high sugar level, and they're frustrated because they don't know why. And then you find out they're on high blood pressure medicine, and that's one of the negative side effects of it. Exactly. And it's funny because I've, well, it's not funny because my mom has experienced this with going through chemo. You know, we've really tried to make sure that her blood sugar issues are regulated. And we were just like, what's going on? You know, that's what kind of dove me into let's figure out the root cause. But you're right. Her chemo was the one that was causing her blood sugar issues. And we're like, no matter how hard and how perfect her diet was, 
it was just a constant roller coaster every day. So we've been able to correct that with a few supplements and, but it's still, we're still right on that border. (laughs) How's your mom doing by the way? So she's doing fantastic. We just had her scans last week and we still have, when you're stage four, they say there's no cure. There's no other stage. So it had spread to her bones and we still three years later have it contained. It hasn't grown. When it goes to your bones, it doesn't go away. But as of as of last Wednesday, we're three years out. It's called Ned, no evidence of disease. And she's she's still Ned. So we're just keeping her hoping her just stays on that path. That's fantastic. And I'm happy to hear that. Are there supplements that you provide for your mom that she's on that you believe may be helping her? Yeah, I work a lot with systemic formulas and I have her on Simulin. Also, another good one is Berberine. Those are probably my two favorites. The Simulin has helped a little bit more than the Berberine, but Berberine is so easy to access that we initially had her on that and then now we have her on Simulin. But we put her on Simulin 15 minutes before she eats. And then after she eats, she goes for a five to 10 minute walk. Even if it's just around the block with the dogs, just something to make sure that the food isn't sticking around in her stomach and that she's working it off and and not letting it just sit there and, and cause that spike. I know that walking is one of the best physical activities you can do. And I always recommend it to my clients. And the reason being for two reasons. Number one, if you're not able to afford or go to a gym, you can at least move and do physical activity. The other thing is Rebel Wilson uh, lost 77 pounds in a year simply by walking an hour a day. And most people, I don't have an extra hour a day. However, Mindy Kalis, another actress, lost weight. And what she was doing is when she had a 10 or 15 minute break, instead of being on social media or texting her friends, she would go for a 10 or 15 minute walk four or five times a day. Well, if you do that throughout the day, then you're getting 40, 50, 60 minutes in. So that's a way to get an hour of activity without, you know, doing it at a, you know, one time period. So you can break it up. It's true. And it's, I always like to recommend it to my clients as well, because, um, you know, we're in this culture of more and more and more. And, and then we're here, oh, lower your stress, lower your cortisol. And then, you know, a lot of the women that I work with, they're like, but I've been in my spin class every day. And, you know, I'm not, and I'm like, no, just it's too much pressure on your body, too much stress. Walking is the perfect way to decrease your stress, increase your exercise and not go overboard because I think we're in this overboard culture of of too much a lot of times when it does come to exercise, especially when you're dealing with, you know, these underlying infections, that's already a stressor on your body. And then if you're exercising seven days a week, two hours a day, that's just not that's not good for any of us until we can at least fix one of the two. So well exactly. The other thing is with people making New Year's resolutions They go to the gym for three weeks, you know, whatever it is, and they're eating healthy and they get on the scale and they haven't lost a pound. And they're like, but I'm doing everything perfectly. What's going on? So they're getting frustrated. I had a client that that was happening to. And after three weeks, I finally said to him, I said, are you exercising more? And he says, yeah, I'm walking five miles a day and I'm riding my bike everywhere. And I said, how do your clothes feel? He goes, well, they're loose. I said, they're loose. And he goes, yeah, people are even asking me if I'm losing weight. However, the scale's not showing it. I said, don't go by the scale. What's happening is you're replacing the fat with muscle. And muscle and fat weigh the same. 
there's a myth out there that muscle weighs more than fat. It doesn't. Five pounds is five pounds. And so the muscle is denser, so it takes up less room. That's what I explain to people is don't go by the scale. Go by how your clothes fit. And by the way, he usually will have more energy, will feel better. So that's what the guidelines I go by instead of the scale, because the scale will tend to lie to us. And it's just another stressor. It's like you get up and you, you're like, here we go. And, you know, especially as women, our, our weight can fluctuate, you know, depending on the day. So I, I agree. I say the same thing because it's just to add one more thing in that pressure of what's the number going to say today? It's like, no, just go put your jeans on and see how they feel. <laughs> Real simple. Yeah. Or your dress size, you know, things that are that easy. So with the sugar, I'd like to get back to that because people who are 50 years or older, there's an 80% probability that they're a type 2 diabetic or pre-diabetic. And if they're pre-diabetic and they don't change your diet or lifestyle, it means they'll be a full-blown type 2 diabetic within seven years. Are you finding a lot of your patients are borderline type 2 diabetic or pre-diabetic or actually diabetics? Yes. I I would say over 50%. I mean, and it's just getting younger and younger. Even some of the people that I work with in their 20s and 30s that are quote unquote healthy are still having these blood sugar issues. And and so I always just tell everyone that I work with, because you know, you get down this like diet rabbit hole, right? And you're just like, what's going on? And it's like, okay, just go back to the basics. And I always just try and make it simple. Whole real foods. You don't have to go extreme vegan. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do that. Just whole real foods and make sure you're getting a fat, a protein, and a carbohydrate in each meal. And they're balanced. You're not eating, you know, a 90% potato and sweet potato with a little bit of butter on it. You know, you got to make sure you're getting some protein, vegetables, and everything as well. So I really try and make it simple for everyone because we're all on information overload. And so if you can go back to the basics, go shop around the outside of the perimeter of the grocery store, fix those underlying issues, add in some mild exercise, we can get this under control. But if we don't, then we're really not going to like where we're going to be in you know five, 10 years because you don't want to deal with having diabetes. It's just, you know, it's, I wouldn't wish that upon anyone. So, Well, yeah, especially because it's preventable and it's reversible. And I also read another statistics that there are 96 million Americans that are pre-diabetic. That's about a third of the U.S. population. And eight out of 10 of those people aren't even aware of it. Yep. And then you're like three o'clock and you're like, why am I so tired? And you go and reach for the candy bowl when you really should just get a spoon of almond butter and preventing that crash from happening. But we just want that quick fix of let me grab some caffeine and some like a little bit of sugar to get me to dinner time. And, and really that's just only making things worse. So if you can prevent those crashes from happening, eating those balanced meals, and then if you feel a, a blood sugar crash coming, or even if you don't, and you just are at three o'clock, you kind of get a little snacky, just go in for some, some fat, eat that little spoon of almond butter and get to dinner. And that alone can help prevent some issues. Yeah. A lot of times what I'll tell people is count out 10 almonds that are unsalted and raw. And they're like, well, why 10? Well, because it's about 100 calories for 10 almonds. And if you grab a handful, you're not sure how many you're eating. 
and you tend to gulp them in and eat them a lot faster. So I said, take out 10, count them, make it a game. And it's amazing how fast 10 almonds will really disappear, even if you're eating it slow. Especially if you have your phone right by you and you know, you're scrolling social media, eating the almonds. It's like, no, put everything down, take a breath, eat your almonds, and then go back to whatever you were doing. Yeah, I also recommend if they like apples to have an apple because the Hershey bar is about 125 calories, no nutritional value, and it'll spike your sugar. The other thing is an apple has about 100 calories, lots of phytonutrients and other nutritional value. The difference being takes your body about 25 calories to digest it. So it's a net of 75 calories where the Hershey bar takes zero calories for your body to process and digest it. Mm-hmm. Getting that fiber and that colorful vegetable, get, yeah, that will always be a better option. Do you have one preference over another for any types of uh, dietary eating habits? I hate the word diet. Because I do too. Yeah. The average person will attempt 126 different diets during their lifetime. And what I found, and I'm sure you have too, is diets tend to be very temporary, extreme, hard to stick with, and a lot of them potentially dangerous to us, and we don't realize it. So I advocate lifestyle. However, when I talk about diet, I like to talk about the food that we eat which is different than being on a diet. So is there a particular you know, diet that you advocate for your patients? That's a good question because I, I agree. There's a lot of times by the time people find me, they have tried every diet and it's not working. And I totally can relate. I've been there when I was trying to deal with my issues. A lot of the people that find me are autoimmune people. And so I like to put them on an anti-inflammatory diet, like a paleo type diet. Um, But I think when people hear the word paleo, they think all meat. And it's like, no, I want you to focus on vegetables, fats, a little bit of carbohydrates, and a little bit of um, high quality meat. So when you talk about carbohydrates, you're talking about complex carbohydrates versus the simple carbohydrates, because people give the carbohydrates a bad rap. You know, they hear carbohydrates and they think of, you know, bread or pasta. And I think, oh, I'm not allowed to have that. Why are you telling me to have a carbohydrate? Exactly. Yes, exactly. Complex carbohydrates like sweet potatoes. I always like carrots because you can get, you know, the beta carotene and the vegetable. And then you're also getting a carbohydrate. So it feels filling. So complex carbohydrates. But I really, yeah, I like to keep that on the minimum side. So So we are preventing those blood sugar crashes like we were talking about earlier. Um, But I try and also push my clients to trying something new in the vegetable section every week when they go to the grocery store, because we so often can go in and, you know, pick up our broccoli, pick up our onion, and we get used to eating the same things. So if I try and challenge them to try something new every week and figure out how to cook it and, um, because we really want to make sure that the microbiome is getting different types of foods to make sure that we're staying healthy and fighting off any bad bacteria that we might come into contact with. So, you know, try an okra or whatever it may be. Uh, the celery uh, root vegetable is really good for soups in the fall. And so I try and challenge my clients with different types of specifically vegetables to try every week to, to keep that microbiome healthy. That's great. And the other thing is corn is not a vegetable, it's a grain. And so if you're thinking about, oh, I'll go get some corn because it's a vegetable, it's not, it's a grain. And corn is one of the worst things you can eat. 
it's very detrimental to the body. I just saw two different articles in two different places talking about how bad corn is for us. It's so hard because, you know, we're, we're becoming educated on the effects of gluten in our bodies. And so we automatically go to corn, you know, from a flour tortilla to a corn tortilla. And when in reality, with how our world, our food source is right now, corn is not the best option either. So it's like, all right, put it on some vegetables. Um, There's some cassava flour tortillas out there now, or jicama root tortillas out there now that can be good replacements. I know it's not the same and I know everyone loves their tacos, but I'm I'm with you on the corn. It's it's pretty scary what what can be in there. I guess I'm an exception because I don't like tacos. <laughs> you are an exception, <laughs> especially being in Arizona. We we've got some good tacos around here. <laughs> yes, yes. My wife and I like to go down to Rocky Point, Mexico. So. Yeah. Water very important, especially being in Arizona. Uh, a lot of people are, are chronically dehydrated. In fact. The statistic I read was 75% of the U.S. population is chronically dehydrated. A lot of times we think we're hungry when actually we're thirsty. In your opinion, is water very important for people? Extremely, but it has to be filtered, especially, you know, with us being in Arizona, I can, we can speak to the fact that our water is very hard. There's a lot of things that we don't want in our body in the water. Um, So finding a good filtration system and you know, there are a few out there, but it's, I think for me, I, I'm still researching that. I have a Berkey and I just don't feel like it's enough for me right now. I, especially I go back from Oregon to Arizona and I can taste the difference when I get back. So finding a high quality water filtration system. And I think there's a way you can look and see what is in your water. And then there, I think there's a website out there that will tell you what a good filtration system is for your area. But, you know, whether it's reverse osmosis, distilled, uh, Berkey filtered. You just got to make sure that you're getting at least some type of filtration system and no fridge, your refrigerator is not enough either. So <laughs> no, in fact, that may be one of the worst water you can drink is from the refrigerator. What I advocate for people is either distilled water or high quality spring water. And no, DeSante and Aquafina are not spring water. Those are made by Coca-Cola and Pepsi-Cola is just filtered water, and sometimes it's not even filtered, just right out of the tap. So uh, what I use is six-stage ice spring, reverse osmosis, and, and that that works really well. I was drinking distilled water for over 35 years. However, with COVID, uh, water became scarce and also became very expensive, so that's when I switched to the ice spring. Uh, six-stage filter watering system or reverse osmosis system for filtering. So I, I agree. And the way I describe it, it's not so much filter water as pure water. Yeah, that's perfect. And if you're drinking this tap water, and I don't know if you've ever looked and you'll look at your fingers and you can see they're a little bit wrinkly, not to the point where you've been in a hot tub, but you'll kind of notice that they're just a little raisin, raisin-like and you can know that you're not absorbing the water that you're drinking in those situations. Yeah, I, I usually advocate people to avoid tap water at all costs, no matter where they live. Um, I was reading that every state, they tested the water and every municipality had some type of contamination in it. And most of it was the chemical that was in the movie Aaron Brockovich, that they lost the, you know, PG and E lost the lawsuit. And they're finding that it's everywhere. And what I'm reading about with the water is that 
in low dosage, they say it's acceptable. However, you know, my neighbor may have two glasses of water a day and think he's fine. He's not getting effect of it. When I'm drinking eight to 10, 20 ounce glasses of water a day, then I get more of the chemical and therefore I'm getting more of the negative consequences and side effects. So that's why it's so important to make sure that the water is filtered. As you mentioned, pure water. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we are we are the air we breathe and the water we drink. And and I agree. And and really that should be even before food, I think, is looking at the water. And as a naturopathic doctor, can you explain how you help your patients and part of the process of treatment? Yeah. So I work with everyone remotely. And so usually by the time they find me, they already have their blood work. So I, you know, very rarely have to send them out to get some blood work, but they'll send it to me. I go through it and then I'll meet with them and we'll put them on a plan to help. We'll first look at that underlying infection and we'll look at that CBC with differentials. And then we'll look at their, what they're eating, what they're drinking, and then also looking at the mind-body-spirit release to make sure that there isn't something emotionally that could be holding them back from releasing that viral or bacterial infection. So it's usually about a six-month to a year process. And I like to, you know, I don't want to have to treat someone forever. I hope that my goal is to, you know, get them in, let's work real hard for the next year, and then let's send you on your way and I can touch base with you in the future. But I'm not one of those people that just wants to have somebody a patient for life because that's uh, just, it's expensive and it's, it's not necessary. I find six months is about the right for minimum. And people are like, why six months? And I usually tell them, take 66 days to create a new habit on average. And you got different parts of the year that you need to get through, especially with holidays coming up. You know, you have Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, Easter, and then 4th of July picnics. So you have to learn those new lifestyle and create those new habits, and it takes time. Most of us didn't put our weight on overnight. We're not going to lose it overnight. The problem I find today is the national brands who advertise lose 10, 15, 20, 30 pounds guaranteed your first month. It's doable. However, it's not healthy, nor is it sustainable. And that's why most people attempt 126 different diets during their lifetime, because once you're done with the diet, you've reached your goal. People revert back to their old eating habits and regain the weight. And as you know, 90% of people who lose weight on a diet regain it within a year. Some gain even more. Yeah. And you have to be able to go through those holidays where there might be an emotional trigger and learn how to you know, what you need to do as the new you to get through those. And so I I completely agree. There's got to be a few months of working (laughs) with you before we can send you on your merry way. But that's the goal is to send you on your merry way. And how can people in the audience reach out to you and find you? Yeah. So my website is medellahealing.com. That's M-E-D-E-L-L-A healing.com. And uh, you can contact me. I've got my email on my website, or you can find me on Instagram at Medella Healing as well. That's terrific. I always like to ask guests if there was a book that influenced them or one of their favorite books that they recommend. Yes. The Spiritual Root Cause of Disease is one of my favorite books. It goes back to the emotional side as well. And, and you know, you can read it through and go, oh, I've had arthritis 
oh yeah, that is kind of my mindset. So I love that book and I would suggest it for anyone. What was the title again? Called The Spiritual Root Cause of Disease. Do you know the author? It's in the other room, but I can't remember the author. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's good to know. And other than yourself having to go on your journey to figure out what was going on with your own issues, is there another person that may have influenced you? You know, I think there's so many, so many people that I have learned from over the years. I first started following Dave Asprey and it got me into the biohacking world. And then, you know, and then I kind of dove down into that. And then I realized that, oh, there has to be also a spiritual component as well. And so that's when, you know, the spiritual root cause of disease was where that hit. So I think it's just a combination of everyone, but also Dr. Jess, I found Dr. Jess and she was really helpful with that. She has a theory of called kill bind sweat, making sure that you're moving your body after you're you're killing off these root causes. So, you know, you have to kind of tackle it from every angle. There isn't just one component that works. We're an onion and you got to peel back the layers and the more layers you peel, the kind of more you learn. So, so there's a lot of people that have been able to help me along the way. That's great. Talking about habits and, and why we do certain things a certain way reminds me of the pot roast story, which you probably are familiar with. I think so. <laughs> and just for the audience, basically what it is is a young woman is hosting a dinner party and one of her guests says, oh, this is delicious because it was a pot roast. And she asked if she can get the recipe and the host says, of course. So the host writes it down for her and the guest reads it over and says, why do you cut the ends of the pot roast off before you cook it? And the host says, I don't know. That's how my mom taught me. So the next day the host is curious. She calls her mom and says, mom. Why do we cut the pot roast, you know, the ends of the pot roast off before we cook it? And her mom says, I don't know. It's how your grandmother taught me. So young woman calls the grandmother and says, Grandma, why do we cut the ends of the pot roast off before we cook it? And grandmother thinks for a minute, she says, oh, because when I was first married, the pot I had was too small, so I had to cut the ends of the pot roast off. So a lot of times we eat a certain way or a certain thing without questioning why we're doing it, because that's how we were taught. And I guess that's where you get into exploring those underlying issues and delving into why are you eating this or eating a certain way exactly and and it is true we you know we think we have our mama's nose and our grandma's nose and but there's also other things other than these physical features that we take along as our generations grow so questioning it is has become my job in the family <laughs> well that's terrific again how can they reach out to you again Yes. So my website, medellahealing.com, M-E-D-E-L-L-A healing.com. Terrific. Thank you so much, Lauren, for being a guest today. It was very informative and insightful, and I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I've enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to the Stop Dieting Podcast. Remember to like and subscribe so you won't miss a single episode to get more healthy eating and lifestyle tips. Motivate and inspire others to be healthy by sharing with your friends. 